We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite. Open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's super agent, Frank Dukes, can be revealed. Uncle Sam can't afford to let you get hurt. I'm going to Hong Kong. Frank is going to fight in the Kumite, and we're here to stop him. An awesome human weapon. There's me just looking at it. Who infiltrates the Chinese underworld. Martial arts sensation Jean-Claude Van Damme. In Bloodsport. The true story of the ultimate champion. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Not much in the intro today, we have a returning guest in Mike Camerlingo to cover the John claude Van Damme classic, Bloodsport. If you're not familiar with Mike, he's a comedy writer, he's been on this podcast to cover the Karate Kid and Rookie of the Year, and lately he's been a big hit on social media with 60 Second Classics, his minute-long breakdowns of movies. He's transitioned that into a recently launched podcast. He's going to talk a bit about the podcast in the opener. Make sure you subscribe. Mike is funny as shit, and I always enjoy having him on, uh, especially for a ridiculous movie like this. We've got a new Apple Podcast review to read out. Uh, Stafford Paulson on Apple Podcast reviewed uh, with the subject line, Playoffs? Question mark. I'm, I'm wondering if that's a reference to, to the classic Jim Mora Playoffs? Uh, said, excellent podcast breaking down our favorite sports movies. That's exactly right. Can't argue with it. Always appreciate those Apple Podcast reviews and those five-star ratings. They do a ton to help this podcast and massage my very, very fragile ego. Uh, so, so thanks a ton for those reviews. I will read out all reviews at time of recording. 
If you're not subscribed to the Big Screen Sports feed, please make sure you do that wherever you get your podcasts to get episodes breaking down sports movies every Monday. We also have a group for chatting sports movies on the Flick app. Download Flick for free and search Big Screen Sports or DM me at, at Big underscore Screen Sport on Twitter or Instagram at Big Screen Sports Pod, and I will send you the link to that app. We're in there talking sports movies, future episode info, uh, some, some sports movie debates, things like that. Next week, we're going to have my old buddy Jared Borslow on to talk about Balls of Fury. But for now, let's talk Bloodsport with Mike Camerlengo. All right, my guest for this incredible episode on this incredible movie. It is the first three-time guest in the history of big screen sports, and he is now the host of the 60 Second Classics podcast, Mike Camerlengo. Mike, thank you for returning to big screen sports. Thanks for having me. I I don't know if being on a podcast three three times is that good or bad. Does that mean you have too I, much t- I'm really time not in your sure. hands? It probably depends on the podcast. True, true. Well, I like this podcast. I like talking about these uh, classic movies. So thanks for having me back. Of course, but before we we get rolling with with my podcast, let's talk about your podcast. You just launched one based on your your incredible Instagram account, Sixty Second Classics. Mike, tell the folks about your new podcast. So yeah, uh, 60 Second Classics is kind of a video series I created where I recap movies in a minute or less, and I also break down old scenes, and so I kind of transitioned into a podcast. It's about 15 or 20 minutes. It's, it's on the shorter side each week, and I usually have a video that syncs up with it, and I'll kind of break down a little bit more about that. Uh, usually me, but uh, sometimes I'll bring in a guest. It's filled with segments. It's very dumb. You will not get smarter from listening to it. But maybe listen to it on the train or in the car. You know, I don't know what people do. Yeah, well, we put in, um, I put in a clip from your, your 60 Second Classics when we did the Karate Kid last. Um, I, don't, I don't think you've done one on, on Bloodsport, but tonight we're, it, it must be something, I don't know, We our last two podcasts together, we're just talking about people kicking each other's ass. Uh, tonight we are <laughs> doing, we're doing Bloodsport. It is the 1988 American martial arts action film follows Frank Dukes, an American martial artist serving in the military, who decides to leave the army to compete in a martial arts tournament in Hong Kong where fights to the death can occur. Star Jean-Claude Van Damme, Donald, Gu- Donald Gibb, and Bolo Young. I am I am sure I'm pronouncing his name. The guy who played Chan Lee is directed by Newt Arnold, his last movie he ever directed. Got a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, made $65 million on a budget of $2.3 million, and that's in 1988. And it made Jean Claude Van Damme a star. So just yeah. to just to plug my just to plug one thing here, I didn't do a break uh, sixty second classics of it, but I did uh, break down the final scene where Van Damme's fighting and he gets shit in his eyes. So maybe you can put that up when you put this up too. Oh yeah, we will. Yeah, I'm gonna absolutely put that in when when we talk about the last fight. Perfect. Um, Mike, you've been a guest on this podcast before, so I'm not going to ask you what makes a good sports movie. We're going to get right into it. Is Bloodsport for you a Hall of Fame, All-Star starter, or benchwarmer sports movie? Okay, this is a tricky question because this movie, uh, it's not really good, but it's so good, you know? So you couldn't, I couldn't call it a Hall of Fame or even an All-Star, but it's definitely not a benchwarmer. It's a great movie to, well, I mean, I'm going to say it's a starter. And it's, it's, the thing about this movie is it's a great thing to show someone who has no clue what it is. Like, I tried to show it to my wife, and she's watching it going, what the fuck is this? And that, my friends, is a great movie experience. 
Absolutely. My fiance came in the room at the end when he, the, the last fight with Chan Lee and basically said the same thing. She was like, what the fuck is going on? I'm going to I'm going to surprise you here. This one for me is a Hall of Fame movie. Wow. And, I, and I'll tell you why. So I think the greatest thing, one of the greatest contributions that Bill Simmons has ever made to society is when he wrote Book of Basketball and he said like the Basketball Hall of Fame needs to actually be a pyramid with certain like certain guys or at you know higher point like LeBron and MJ are at different points than like a I don't know who's a scrub who got inducted in the Hall of Fame recently. They're like different than Rodman. This movie is yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like Dennis Rodman in a way. It is uh just an FYI, I am not trying to shit on the career of the worm. I love Rodman. I appreciate a good rebound. He's just not the same player as uh as LeBron or MJ. I hope we're all on the same page with this. Like, it's really enjoyable. It's really fun. It is ridiculous. Like, it knows what it is. This movie knows exactly. Like, it's supposed to be outlandish. And it's, you're entertained the entire way. And I think it's legitimately very rewatchable. It's not like, it's not like Tommy Wiseau's The Room, where it's just such a cringe watch and you can only watch it once. This movie is is great. It's much more rewatchable than a lot of sports movies, just because it's it's got so much great unintentional '80s comedy. I loved it. Like the Hall of Fame movie for me. Love it. I, I mean, I guess when you're ranking it, if if somebody said, if I was talking to somebody and they didn't know what the Kumite was, I'd be like, oh, dude, come on, you got you got to know what that is. Like, if you say you've never seen Bloodsport. I kind of look down on you a little bit. So that might move it up for me. It's definitely rewatchable. I think less of you if you've never seen it. And like you said, the unintentional comedy. I mean, was this the invention of the the triple kick by Van Damme where they just show the same thing over and over again? Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. I have a rewatchability question for you. I'm not asking what is the the better movie, but we, we covered Karate Kid last time. If Karate Kid and Bloodsport are both on, what would you rather watch? What would you rather turn on? I, I, it's Karate Kid for me. I think it's because Karate Kid's a better all-around movie. So I just, you know, the music's good. Elizabeth Shue's in it. You know, Johnny's fucking attempted murdering people. Bloodsport has all its great things. But I, unless it's in a, a particular spot, like if they're at the end... Where, there, where it's just 25 minutes of the final fight, definitely watching that. But but if I had to pick one where you're like on an airplane, boom, Karate Kid. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels in this movie. This movie is kind of like grown-up, on-steroids, ridiculous Karate Kid. And Karate Kid's already <laughs> a little ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that would make... Uh, is Chong Lee... Is he Johnny? Chong Lee is Johnny plus... I don't know, 120 pounds at least. Yeah, he's he's Johnny plus the Cobra Kai instructor in one. Yeah, oh, that you see, that's perfect. He's got a, oh God, what was his name? Why am I forgetting his name? Um, I want to say it's John the, Cleese. Is that, the, not John Cleese, uh, Kreese, Kreese. Kreese, yeah, the, the Vietnam vet. Yeah, Chong Lee is, is Kreese mixed yeah, with yeah. Johnny. Yeah. But I, I've got two opening questions for you uh, before we get into the IMDb trivia and just everything about the movie. And one is a legitimate, like I'm not even trying to spark conversation. Why exactly are Forrest Whitaker and that other agent trying to bring Dukes in? Okay, so this is a common theme in some of Van Damme's early movies. Like, Have you ever seen Lionheart? 
I have not seen Lionheart. I'm not as I'm not as like oh. uh, studious of Van Damme as I really should be. See, I haven't seen I, for some reason I've seen maybe three of his movies a hundred times, and I, I always say I like Bloodsport and Lionheart for some reason. Just really, it sticks to my ribs. You know, I just love it. But that movie too, the people are after him to bring him home because he deserted the military. So it's kind of like the same thing. I think these guys are. He did. He, is that what happened in this movie? He deserted the military. Well, so the the guy comes up to him right at the beginning of the movie, the, the army guy, and he's like, "Are you going to Hong Kong?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "The colonel or whatever wants to see you first and dukes is like all right and uh then he escapes via the shower he's like in the, he's like in the right, shower yeah. but then he, he he escapes and they send two guys to go find him i'm just curious is like is is that going that awol like where you're sending Forrest Whitaker and another schmuck to go track the guy down in hong kong but um yeah that that was just like confusing to me but again i wasn't going to stress myself out too much over the uh the particulars I've got another question that goes all the way to the end of the movie. If you're the ref during the last fight, you, you got to stop the fight, right? Like, Frank is clearly blind. Like, Chong Lee, everyone saw him throw some sort of dusty shit into the air and blind Frank. Like, I, I get it's the Kumite and I get that people die, but you got to step in. I think the ref is truly scared. I think if he stepped in, Chong Lee would snap his neck. Like, I think this guy... You know, he wants to make sure people... I, I don't know what the ref's purpose is because he's not stopping illegal... What is it? Salt? Is that what gets thrown in his eyes? Yeah, it's a salt pill. Yeah, he's not throwing that. He's not stopping that. And then Chong Lee kills a guy earlier in the movie. And so he doesn't seem to be doing much. But I think... I can see it in his eyes. He's kind of scared. And I think if he tries to, to intervene, you can't win the Kumite on a decision you know what i mean you, you can't win on like a, okay okay it's over you gotta snap a neck that's a fair point that's a really really fair point um let's go into imdb trivia because it's more interesting than it than you think it would be for a movie like this obviously it's based based very i, I guess i guess it's not based loosely because it's based on what frank dukes has said kind of based on the life who, of a who is a frank real person dukes yes real person as, yeah as told by frank dukes he was the fight coordinator for right. the film um when john claude van damme was cast dukes announced that van damme wasn't nearly in good enough shape put him through a three-month training program van damme a world championship martial artist in his own right called it the hardest training of his life so frank dukes knows how to uh to run a training program now the movie was touted as a true story but doubts have arisen about its veracity. Most martial arts enthusiasts view his accounts of competing in secret tournaments as complete fiction, along with his claims he was an undercover CIA operative. Some have pointed out that nobody else has come forward to confirm his story about competing in secret tournaments or told their own version. Frank Dukes never has and does not hold any of the world records listed at the end of this film. Like his own backstory and claims of Kumite success, these are all pure fiction. So tough look for Frank Dukes in that regard. <laughs> like, th there's really a lot to unpack there. Is Van Damme actually a good fight? Like, is he really a martial arts guy? Because I saw an, an old interview where um, Steven Seagal is on a talk show, and he's basically, like, shitting on Van Damme. Like, obviously, they probably have a beef with each other because they're the two kind of late 80s, early 90s guys. But I just didn't know, is Van Damme actually legit or if he's just kind of tight jeans and 
tucked in t-shirt, you know, kind of doing things like that. Yeah, Steven Seagal is kind of like Van Damme. Van Damme ate nothing but butter and lived in a tanning bed. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, I don't, he's Van Damme seems, he seems accomplished enough. Like, he can do the splits. That's enough for me. Oh, man, the split in this movie is so good. So, uh, per the IMDb trivia, Jean-Claude Van Damme does his trademark splits a total of seven times during the film. Uh, speaking of a guy who is not a... Not a martial artist, Ray Jackson, who played, uh, Ray, or who's played by Donald Gibb, who is Van Damme's uh, or Frank Dukes's right hand man, does not use any recognized martial art at any point in the point in the film. He's just brute strength. Yeah, he's great. He, I mean, talk about getting ahead of yourself when he's fighting Shang Li. He's like just starts like bragging like he won already. He goes full Oberyn Martell. Um, well, yeah, we'll we'll get to that one. The flashback, yeah, yeah. the one where uh, that where Dukes is being trained by his Shishoto, uh, runs at ten minutes and fifty six seconds. The world's longest flashback <laughs> event in a film ever. And then uh, wrap up the IMDb trivia with this: Donald Trump watched this movie on a flight by having his son skip through boring scenes of dialogue and exposition and only watching the action scenes. He listed among his favorite movies. So take that for what it's worth. I think that's one of the only times I agree with Donald Trump. I think this movie is, I mean, again, we can talk about how to fix it, but I think you can shave off about 25 minutes of this movie, and then I think it would be the best movie of all time. Yeah, there's a lot of fat to trim on this trim on this movie. Um, let's get into best scene, and we can talk about some of the, the, the stuff that is not stuff you want to trim off. I'm going to list off... So some of my favorites, we'll, we'll pick a best scene. Uh, the opening montage of dudes just breaking ice and wood and then just like fighting each other right away, you know, instantly, you know exactly what this movie's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great tone setter. Yeah. And then uh, Tanaka, the, the flashback I mentioned, Tanaka training Frank and just beating the piss out of him at first, uh, pulling him apart with those ropes and shit. That is a uh, intense watch, intense scene. Practice until you can meditate. Nothing can distract you so that you see and feel nothing except your own energy. Yeah, I mean, in, in, it's so funny how long it is to the scene. Uh, nearly 11 minutes. It's, it's wild. <laughs> um, when, when Frank performs the death touch and, and chops through the brick, uh, all the way, like, blows up the bottom brick, uh, there's Frank that's a great Gam- scene oh yeah it's so good uh frank gambling with with hasin uh who is who is clearly very ready to uh to commit an act of sexual assault on that on, on that reporter oh my god that scene is so wild that scene has aged poorly into 2019 i mean those two they were like ready to yeah and he just calmly puts her up he's like yeah if i do this it's like i know you're confident Frank, but you know, what if you lose here? Leave the girl alone. He's the American shithead who makes tricks with bricks. Guess the Kumite starts one day earlier this year, huh, fellas? Look, guys, let's all no. just calm down, okay? She's coming with me upstairs. No, I'm not. If we have to fight for her, then both of us would be thrown out of the Kumite. Just for her? We could arrange this another way. Do you gamble? What is bet? You hold this. 
If I can grab it before you close your hand, I get the girl. If I cannot, she's yours. Very good. What? You can't do this. Just relax. Yeah, because he doesn't know anything about that guy. That guy could be the most talented person in Hong Kong, not named Chong Lee. Right. Um, yeah, the best part is like Ray. That's when you realize that Ray is already Frank's right hand man. He's already calling him Frankie. Like he's he's ready to uh -huh. die for Frank Dukes. Yeah, I wonder what would happen if they. I mean, were they in the same bracket? Like, what what if they had to fight each other? Yeah, see that that's like uh, like alternate history. If Ray's not celebrating on Chong Lee and he actually brings him down, then him and him and Frank meet in the finals. So that that'd be uh, right. that'd be tough. No one wants to see that. Um, the the next scene, the first day of the Kumite, it's nearly ten minutes of ass beating. Uh, that's Ray's first fight. He destroys a dude's face and then points at Chong Lee. Uh, Chong Lee puts a guy to sleep. Dukes annihilates that attempted rapist, uh, Hossein. And then the <laughs> it's got the Kumite song in the background. Like they made a song for Kumite, which is incredible. Uh, that leads it into, is incredible. That's a great yeah, song. That leads into Forrest Whitaker and that other guy chasing Dukes out of the hotel. And it's, it's amazing because it's like a comical cartoonish chase. Uh, with with some some comical music to match, and it, it's it's really random to be in the middle of the movie. Honestly, every time Forrest Whitaker showed up, I just chuckled out loud. I don't know. I think it's because it's a mixture of he's young, and I'm not. I you know I'm used to older Forrest Whitaker, and he, it's just a ridiculous premise. Like he just shows up with his old crusty cop or whatever they are, and they're just you know trying to find Frank Dukes, and it just cracks me up. And, and in retrospect, he's the most accomplished guy in the film, I think. Wouldn't you say? Like, oh, the, yeah. As far as actual yeah. career goes, definitely the most accomplished. Um, that mean, goes into... Him and Van, we, Van Damme's a close second. That's true. Van Damme's so much of a name. But Forrest Whitaker's kind of like a different kind of accomplishment. Like, Forrest Whitaker won an Oscar. I feel like... Yeah, he has an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, class. yeah. Um, then there's the second day of the Kumite, which is a, another 10 minutes of ass beating. Uh, that's when Janice shows up, and she's thrown about 147 miles an hour. Just looks fantastic. I can't believe her career wasn't better. Um, Van Damme gets progressively more shirtless, and he blows up that dude's nuts, which is... I, I, I'd forgotten <laughs> about that move. What is the... Uh, to me, the the... What's the character's name? The woman character? Because there's only one in this movie. Yeah, the only one woman, and that is well. There's two, there's two. There's Tanaka's wife and Janice, who's the reporter. Janice, that even that storyline just seems to come out of nowhere. She just like pops up and she's like, "I'm covering this now." Then boom, he's he puts her up for uh, a possible assault, and then boom, he's doing splits in her hotel room after a sensual evening. It's all so weird. Yeah, and they're and they're fighting like a couple that's been together for a year within twenty four hours. It's really that, that relationship progresses very very quickly. Yeah, there's no way that lasts even the flight home. No, no chance. They they I would think they never see each other again. Would be my guess, especially yeah. in the '80s. It's a little easier to kind of disappear out of someone's life. They never see each other. The the second day of Kumite ends with uh, Jackson, like we said, pulling an Oberon Martell celebrates too early. And Chong Lee just destroys him. And then that leads into the third day of Kumite, which ups the ante. It's 15 minutes of fighting. Uh, Chong Lee fucking kills a guy. And then the, the Chong Lee <laughs> versus Frank fight. 
if you had to pick a favorite scene from this movie, like if it's if it's on TV, what scene are you either waiting for or what scene are you hoping it is when you turn the movie on? As much as I like the barrage of fights, the montage of fights, it's got to be the last scene for me just because it's so ridiculous and it's, you know, I don't know how long it is, eight minutes, nine minutes. I mean, the fight between Frank Dukes and Chong Lee is so... It's just stuck in my brain, and if I'm anywhere near it, and it come, like if the movie comes on and it's anywhere near it, I'm staying for it. And here's Mike's breakdown of the Chong Lee Frank Dukes fight. Before the fight, Chong Lee's all smiles because he hasn't snapped a neck in six hours and he's ready to go. Frank Dukes, on the other hand, is like, shit, I got a fucking loaf in my pants. They meet in the center of the blood soaked ring, flex their nips, and oh yeah, we got a chub off on our hands. Right off the bat, Dukes uses the ref as a trampoline to deliver a flying chest kick, a move so powerful that it puts the official into a temporary coma. Lee responds by doing that thing you do to your younger brother when you forget how light he is, and you go, hey, watch this, before tossing him through an end table and your mom's like, for Christ's sake, this is why I drink wine from a coffee mug that says breathe. Frank does a front flip before detaching his leg and kicking Chong Lee directly into the face. And folks, you've never been in a brawl until you've been hitting the cornea with a pinky toe. Now right here, Chong Lee looks like a teen who just got the Spice Channel to go unfuzzy for 12 seconds. And he's running an up-tempo crank down. But if you look closely, he's grabbing some kind of foreign substance. And he tosses it right in Frank's eyes, who at this point is like, dude, what the fuck? Are we throwing sand now? I didn't hear about this. Was there a sand truck? Frank realizes he's sliding into another dimension, but he's trying to weather the storm. Like a dude who ate too many mushrooms, and he's like, these aren't even that strong. But also, why am I falling down a well filled with spiders? He throws a right hand to where he thinks his opponent is, and absolutely not, dude. Chong Lee takes advantage by hitting Frank several times, including this slap, which is deadly if someone's suffering from swimmer's ear. Another kick sends him flying into a move known as, of course I can do this cartwheel and this hooters. Things are getting dicey for Frank right here. His mind is melting like a guy who's in hour three of trying to put together an Ikea book shelf. Where's the C14 screw? Bitch, there is no C14 screw. Frank lets out a full-blown panic scream. This is used when a friend asks you to help them move in exchange for pizza. And he's desperate. He's saying, Lord, I know I shouldn't have eaten a gas station hot dog before a wedding, but if you let me make it through the ceremony with a clean backside, I'll do whatever you want. God answers and says, hey, one set of footprints, motherfucker. Get on my back. And oh yeah, we're catching punches now. Frank starts doing double dutch leg kicks and the crowd is losing their shit. Chong Lee's a broken man. He's like, God damn, that weird fucking toe is coming at me again. I'll just stand here and take it, I guess. Frank delivers the knockout kick. The crowd's going nuts. And Frank's like, I appreciate you guys clapping, but is anyone in here an ophthalmologist? Because my eye is fucked. No, seriously, I can't see any of you. So I was going to ask you, do you think the fight lasts too long? Like it's, um, you'd think after Frank figures out how to like, you know, uh, does the thing where he kind of remembers back on his training, fighting blindfolded and he catches Chong Lee's arm. I feel like in another movie, he catches Chong Lee's, Chong Lee's arm, he breaks it and he taps out Chong Lee. Instead, the fight goes for like another five minutes of Frank fighting blind and making ridiculous faces. It's well, Do you I, think the I guess, fight goes too long? So my problem with that is, yeah, I agree. I think he should either just snap his neck right away or show some more meaningful, you know, kicks and shit. I feel like he figures it out and then he just starts doing like weird flying kicks and back slaps to his chest. To me, Chong Li goes from about to kill Frank to all of a sudden he's he's unconscious. And I don't feel like he earned it. Like, to me, he gets kicked in the face like once or twice, but I, I feel like Frank should just be doing some wild shit. So it does go on for a while, but 
to me, it just makes a jump really quick. It's long, 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 and then it's like, oh, he's out? On what? You didn't even get him. Yeah, they could have shaved about three minutes out of the fight and made it the second that Frank figures out that he can he can fight while he's blind. That's when he takes it to Chun Li, beats the shit out of him, makes him say mate or whatever he has to say, and that's it. I, th- I think that that'd be the better uh, the better end. But I mean, that fight is again. This movie knows what it is, and it completely it went for it a hundred percent with that last fight. The funny part of the in the last fight is. When Frank is doing his jump rope uh, kicks to Chong Li, everybody is cheering and the, the journalist is like laughing. Everyone's laughing, having a good time. Like, he's still in danger. He's blind. He might not be able to ever see again. Chong Li could rally back. He's killed a man yesterday. So let's all pump the brakes on celebrating before it's in, you know? Yeah, fucking Janice goes from like fighting with Frank about fighting. She's like, I don't want to see you get hurt. And. You know, 12 hours later, she's just laughing, watching him fight the most dangerous man in Hong Kong. She really makes quite the heel turn there. Yeah, no, I, she she looks like someone's bringing her a birthday cake at Outback Steakhouse. Like, she's just going <laughs> fucking crazy for no reason. <laughs> it's exactly it. Um, let's take a quick break. Let's hear from our sponsors, and then we'll get back to the most and least authentic parts of the movie. Big Screen Sports is brought to you by Untuck It. Guys, I've been telling you about Untuck It for a couple episodes now. They are my favorite shirts on the planet. It is all I want to wear, whether it's their golf polos, their button downs. Have you ever seen an Untuck button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt that is actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect Untuck length. Trust me, guys, it is they're all I want to wear. Their performance fabric, they don't have that on the uh, on the ad copy, but I'm shouting it out anyways because it is just, you get one of their performance fabric button downs, you'll love it. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall guys, short guys, slim guys, athletic guys of all ages. As for me, your boy's about 5'7", between 150, 160, kind of depends on the month. Uh, and they fit me perfectly. I mean, I, I can wear them untucked. I can also wear them tucked in. I've worn some untucked shirts at weddings before. Um, you can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, too big, any of that stuff. And their website's easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It's the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com, use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Now back to Bloodsport with Mike Kamerlingo. All right, so Mike, let's get into the the most authentic, least authentic, or at least the most realistic, sports-centric parts of the film. Did you have, this movie is ridiculous. Did you have something that was the most realistic to you? Um, The most realistic I had was, I said this earlier, is the it's the it's the uh, ref being scared for his life. I mean, I wrote this down. This guy's I don't know if he's corrupt or if he's just I don't know if he's a patsy. I don't know what he is, but there's a fight going on and you can't trust the ref. And that happens a lot, especially in boxing. You're like, who's the ref? I don't know. It felt very real. It felt like it was just between these two guys. 
That's a real tough job, though. Like, I, I feel for that guy. Like, I don't know how he ended up being the ref at Kumite, but you know he goes home, and his wife's like, so how was how was the match? How was how was your day at work? And he just, he just looks at her, and his eyes are just dead and soulless. <laughs> He's like, oh, I saw someone get their neck snapped. Uh, how was your day? Just, it's a tough, tough gig. Uh, the thing I had that was the most realistic was that every fighter, at least the main guys who advance in the Kumite, especially, obviously, Van Damme, Chong Lee, Ray Jackson in a different way, uh, just looked like they could all kill me in five seconds. Everyone was huge. Yeah. Which, like, if you're going to, you know, and the guy who played Chong Lee was a was a very accomplished martial artist, too. So he was, that, yeah, that he, felt, he felt real. He was yeah. built like a brick shit house. No, that's a good answer. I like that. I mean, I think for the, I think it's also the most like authentic or whatever. It, it ebbs and flows between like this is ridiculous and oh that looks like a cool fight. The the fight scenes are cool. I just I feel like the editing is weird. Showing Van Damme kick somebody three times and it's the same kick. They're just showing it again, 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 like right in a row is so fucking weird. But if they didn't do that, I, I think all the action looked pretty good. I think so too. I'm they go for a lot of slow mo, and I kind of would have preferred maybe a little less slow mo and actually seeing the accurate velocity and intensity of the kicks and the punches. A little more of that. Like mm-hmm. I know that's probably harder to film. I guess stuff like in, in you know in in fast motion or in, in normal speed that still looks realistic, where it's not like the punch from The Godfather. But it, a little less slow motion kind of would have been nice. Yeah, I mean, if you look at a movie like Rocky or, you know, think of Rocky Four. I mean, that's kind of the same time, I guess. That that has great fight scenes, and, and none of that shit's slow-mo. It's just, it's. I think you're right. It's just figuring it out beforehand. It's harder to shoot, and I think you need the guys to be more committed. I don't know how committed uh, Van Damme was to taking a kick off the chest. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't blame him if he wasn't, but at the same time, you kind of, you know, it'd be... Um, I actually think there was some trivia that I didn't add. I think that he actually did take some kicks in the uh, in the ribs that kind of hurt him. But yeah, they, they could have done a little bit more with less slow-mo. Um, the least realistic thing I had is the Kumite announcer speaking in English in the middle of Hong Kong in oh, like a, uh, yeah. you know, in a, in a secret... Secret turn. I, he wouldn't be speaking English. Like, he is he doing that just for Ray Jackson and Dukes' benefit? Yeah, you're right. That makes no sense. What did uh, did you have anything for the the least realistic? I mean, probably a lot to pick from in this movie. Well, this isn't specifically like on the action, but I just I don't understand the cops. They're cops, right? Whitaker and the other guy. Yeah, my guess is they're like army police yeah. or like army investigation officers so they go all this way and then they just let them fight in the tournament because they Which have I feel like is and, why and they were trying to prevent him in the first place right because he, he's gonna go back after the fight anyway yeah and not only do not only do they let him fight like they're in the stands cheering him on along with janice like everyone who was against him fighting by the time he's fighting chong lee is like oh fuck yeah i love you frank dukes Dude, it's so similar to Lionheart. You got to watch Lionheart. I think you'll really like it. That I mean, that sounds right up my alley. I think I'm, as soon as we're the, done recording, so, I'm going to have to the, go find the it. The fights are yeah. It's it's just it's just like fight, 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 fight. He basically gets involved in like an underground uh, fighting thing for rich people. And there's these two guys from the army who try to bring him back to the army. Like he was a deserter, 
and they go to like his final fight, not to give it away, but then they start cheering for him, even though they're not supposed to. It's a whole thing. That sounds ideal. That sounds like something I'd really, I'd really be interested in. Um, let's get into what worked about this movie besides all the, you know, the stuff we've already talked about. Obviously the, the eighties unintentional comedy worked really well. Uh, I think the thing that worked the most about this movie to me, it was a single moment. It was Frank doing the splits in his high rise with the city of Hong Kong below. Like I I think that's my favorite shot in the movie. I think it's the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. I tried. Yeah, that's amazing. I tried to recreate that photo. Um, by doing a sp- I, I can't do I can't even touch the top of my shoes but I'm like between two chairs and uh I'll send it to you maybe you can uh, take a look at it it's very funny because I almost you know ripped a groin but it's it, that's how much this movie is in my heart I'm like I want to try to take that picture might have to post that on the uh, big screen sports Instagram that seems like something <laughs> something the listeners need to see as well what else did you have that worked for you with this movie well let's see what did I have that worked um I guess just the I appreciate all the fighting and, and how long the fights themselves are. Like I think that worked. I think like especially when they clumped him together when it's just like fight, 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 fight. I think that was fun and that was good. And you got to see all these different characters. I think what didn't work was, you know, some of the other shit. Like a ten minute flashback to me, it was so random. I get what they're trying to do, but you don't it's just show it for thirty seconds. Yeah, the movie didn't need that. I agree with the the length of the fights. Like, if you're turning on a movie called Bloodsport, you're turning it to you're turning it on to see the fights. And the three days of Kumite, like I added it up, are almost thirty, like roughly thirty five minutes of fighting, which makes up about a third of the movie. I think that's about what you're looking for. Like maybe you could have actually maybe mixed in a little more fighting. Honestly, you could have made it like forty percent to forty five percent of the movie because that that's what you're looking for. But making each day of Kumite really long, I think, yeah, provide is you know that's the recipe for making this movie very watchable. Uh, I also like I know you mentioned it earlier, but when he goes in and breaks the brick, yeah, yeah, oh, it's iconic. I mean, that's just a great. Yeah, it's it's great. It's it's a short little scene, but you know, it's a great way for him to kind of introduce himself and be like, "Yeah, I'm here. Watch this shit." Um, and then uh, there's Ray Ray trying to break it too, trying to like you see Ray trying to do it later, and he can only shatter the the top brick. Yeah, and it's one of those things when you watch it, you say, "Oh, can you can people really do that? Can people really just hit the bottom brick?" So. You know, before Google, you would just have to talk shit with your friends and be like, "Some, did you know some people can just hit the bottom brick? You know, we had to entertain ourselves differently back in the old days. That would have been the thing that goes around the lunchroom. Like, you guys are just talking oh, about yeah. it at lunch. Like, one person, the one guy who, who stole the Bloodsport VHS out of his older sister's room, <laughs> and then he, he's coming to school the next day, and he's like, yeah, you know, there, there are some dudes out there who are so badass that they can... They can uh, hit a hit a slab of bricks and only break the bottom one, and then the rest of us are like that gets ingrained in your head. You're like, oh yeah, that's a real thing. Oh yeah, and then that turns into that person's second cousin. You're like, oh, his second cousin can do it. You know, it's a whole thing. Yeah, fucking Jimmy's brother, man. He he breaks bricks. He breaks <laughs> the bricks all the time. Um, <laughs> we got to talk about Dukes and Ray having like the sweetest heterosexual relationship in, in sports movie history. Like Ray, I mean, the yeah. end scene of them just like 
literally telling each other they love each other and like i'll always be there for you and like th those guys knew each other for three four days max it's incredible anytime any place anywhere if you ever need me i'll be there i love you my friend that's why i think you don't even need i mean look i'm not to say I, i'm not trying to say you shouldn't have women in the movie, but uh, <laughs> but I just feel like they gave her character nothing, and they already had that like you know affectionate thing with somebody else. They have a uh, like you said a ro a non uh, romantic connection. So it just I, to me this movie, and maybe this is a different question, but this movie would be perfect if it was fifty three minutes and it was just all the action. It really would be. I mean, so so the the Donald J Trump cut. It's like the release, yeah. the release, the Abrams cut, but it's the the release, the Trump cut. But yeah, they don't give, they don't give Janice a whole lot because everything that she should be is already being taken up by Ray, who's just like the sweet oath. Right. He's like, Ray literally commits a felony by tackling those agents. I would assume that's a felony. Like he tackles those agents for a guy he's known for two days. A incredible. And they don't like, see I would. I wouldn't do that shit for guys like I've known my best friend since I was seven and there's no way I'd commit a felony for him. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, um, I'll buy you some time, dude, but I don't know. It seems like you're on your own. Yeah. I'll try to like, I'll talk to those guys, you know, and I'll, I'll <laughs> maybe misdirect them, but I'm literally, I'm not, ta I'm not spearing both of them. Um, right. This, another thing that works for this movie, the soundtrack, like the intense techno mixed with some eighties ballads. It just, it goes so hard. The Kumite song is unreal. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. It's the Kumite song is so good that I, I try to not put music in this uh in this podcast just because like I think that's it's easier to get caught than using clips, but I might have to to drop the Kumite song in here. What's the deal with that? I mean, do they just like do they like run a scan on that and see if you have music in, or how does that work? I think they, I think they do. I, our mutual buddy Jr. Hickey, uh, the podcast he had before he had, oh yeah, oh yeah, the Entourage podcast, which you all should go listen to if you like Entourage. Um, he did a, a dating podcast, and he was using like he, I think he used a Kanye song or a Ti song or something at some point, and it just got like it got picked up right away and he got a pretty sure he got something that resembled a cease and desist. But I mean, again, that's like Kanye or TI, not the, whoever made the Kumite song. So probably a different, yeah, different category of people looking out for that. You could probably sell the Kumite song as your own and you'd be fine. Could probably switch that to the theme of the podcast. If we're being completely <laughs> honest, I used it. I, yeah, I usually don't use music when I do like a scene breakdown on, uh, on my video, but I had to put the Kumite song under it because it's so good. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I honestly, I want to just like almost want to stop recording and listen to the Kumite song right now. <laughs> um, let's get into what didn't work about this movie. Uh, we, you know, we've already talked about kind of like Janice that them giving her kind of a nothing burger. Uh, did you have anything else that did not work? Who, by the way, she's a she's a great actress. This has nothing to do with her. It's just like oh, yeah, they just no, didn't give her anything. Yeah, she was doing great with what they were giving her, and I mean, she's a complete smoke show. Like it shocks me that she wasn't in more, and is 
I mean, yeah, they just they gave her they gave her the leftovers in a movie that had nothing left over. Yeah, I guess my my thing was like what didn't work uh, is I kind of said it already. It's I don't know how do you know how long this movie is? I don't know how long it is, but it's like it's going, 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 and then they just pull the e brake on you, and you're stuck in this weird thing for about eight minutes, and it's going, 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 and then they kind of do this weird thing. So like every Every time it starts to really get something, it, it either a flashback or some stupid scene that has nothing to do with anything. So I feel like those it's, little it's moments. It's ninety-two minutes, which is to, it's great running time for a movie. I don't, I, 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 it's not necessarily the running time. It just seems like there are a few key points where they just, you know, slash the tires and and you kind of spin out for a minute. Yeah, I agree. Um, for like the 92 minutes doesn't go, it doesn't go by as quick as you think. Cause there, there is that stuff where it hits the brakes, but like the parts where it's going really fast, like the Kumite, the fight scenes, the, I mean, they, they go quick, but this movie could feel, this movie could be a clean, like 82 minutes. Uh, huh. yeah, yeah. Um, we got to talk about young Frank, the guy who breaks into Tanaka's house wearing a New York giant shirt. And a San Francisco oh, yes. Giants hat. You're a guy who lives in New York. Do you ever see that combo? Not really. Although I wouldn't be surprised if I do. Uh, the youngsters these days, you know, they just wear whatever. I mean, I was kind of thinking that, like, the, the Giants used to be in, in New York. They were the New York Giants, like, way back in the day before they moved to San Francisco. But Frank doesn't have, like, young Frank doesn't have that old New York dad who's like, I kept up with the Giants when they moved to, to San Francisco. Uh, Frank's yeah. dad is from Belgium. So he doesn't have that, but he's just randomly wearing a, a San Francisco Giants hat and a New York Giants jersey. So, like, big sports guy, but uh, clearly some, some weird affiliation issues. Um, yeah, it feels like, it feels like, like a... A, you know, like a subway commercial where everyone's just wearing a shirt that says state on it. You know, it just feels like a <laughs> random ass thing that they threw together. Yeah. Uh, one thing that our girl Janice does is when she finally gets into the Kumite and like they're very, like very clear anti-media everything. She has the not so indiscreet like mic recorder pull. Did you, did you notice <laughs> yeah. that where she pulls out her yeah. recorder? Like what are you do like in you're gonna do that in front of Chong Lee? You're gonna do that in Chong Lee's house? He's gonna fucking kill you. Yeah, and I'm sure they would do like I don't remember if they pat people down or if they show them patting people down, but I think if you get into a place like this, you know, there's no way you're getting anything in there. Yeah, I agree. There's absolutely just just no chance. No chance. Did you have anything else that didn't work for this one? Uh no, I mean I think that's it. I you you mentioned it earlier. I think a little bit less slow motion would have been nice. Um, I, I guess the reason some of the fights are eight minutes long is because of slow motion, which is, you know, it cuts both ways. It's, it's good. It provides a lot of comedy. Van Damme's faces are unreal. And oh, this um, whole movie is about the, the facial expressions between him and, and Chong Lee. Just when he gets hit with the, the salt too. I mean, there's about a, he reacts for two to three minutes. I'm pretty sure I've seen that gif before. Like that's something that has transcended the movie. Whereas that that's a gif on Twitter. Oh yeah, where he's where he's, his hands are out and he's searching, he's searching. It's uh, it, Van Dam just does even even before the the salt pill scene though. He's doing every single fight. He is just doing everything with his face. It's incredible. I mean, and it's kind of like a. I again, I'm not like a Van Dam diehard. I haven't seen all of them, but I have seen a few other Van Dam movies, and he is very much 
goes 100% with the face every time. Yeah, if you've seen one Van Damme fight, you've seen them all. But that I think that's actually a compliment because he does he does a, a full range of tricks on all of them. And his face, let me tell you, man, subtlety is not his thing, and I love him for it. Not at all. And speaking of Van Dam, let's get into best and worst on-screen athlete. And and in the year of 2020, I, I'm now naming these. It is the Kevin Costner and Freddie Prince Jr. best and worst on-screen athlete. <laughs> Um, I think it's I think it's pretty apparent. Like Van Dam and then the guy who played Chong Chong Lee Bolo Young, are just beasts. They're both just fucking shredded. They look like they know what they're doing. I mean, per the trivia, they definitely actually do know what they're doing. Uh, you know, who are we to say that those guys are great athletes? Yeah, I, I had Chong Lee down as my pick. Basically because he's, like you said, he's shredded. He does the old nipple thing where he makes his boobs go. That's a, that's a sign of an athlete right there. He's, he's a real fighter. for pecs. Oh, God, those things, man. You could, uh, you could eat a full breakfast off them. They're just huge. Massive. Massive I, pecs. And I think I'd throw Van Damme in there, too. He's probably got some – he's obviously athletic in some fashion. I mean, he pulls it off, and he's, he's also shredded. I mean, he's doing the splits, so clearly an athlete. Um, did you write anyone down for worst? Yeah, the guy who Chong Lee kills, he, um, just like the beginning of the fight, he, his, his kicks are so bad. He's doing these leg kicks like he's trying to step on ants or something. It, it's like, dude, you're going to die. It's not going to end well for you. He kind of earned his death from Chong Lee. Yeah. Kind of deserved it. Yeah. Um, Hossein or Hossein, whatever the the potential attempted rapist, I had him down. Um, you know he uh, Van Dam punks him with that little quarter trick or with the coin trick, and then he just he beats the shit out of him really quickly in the fight. So he he looked like uh, what what you'd imagine a, a scrawny rapist would look like. Um, how about the, Lenny how Harris about the cops? Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, God, how, that's how, a good call. How about with the, the cops? The cops, they, they are not uh, very athletic. They're, they're slow when they're running. They're not great at fighting. Um, they just don't have an all-around fighting skill set. You know, not a five-tool player. You can't use them on your team. Oh, yeah. No way. They're, uh, I feel like there's going to be some discipline for them when they get back to the States. You, yeah. You'd have to think, right? Like, they're not getting sent on another mission Definitely not together, and they're probably like, okay, you guys are on desk duty for at least six months. Yeah, because they're they're going to come back with a huge credit card bill that they're going to try to expense, and the the their sergeant or whoever is going to be like, dude, what the fuck is this? You were due back last week. I'm not paying twelve hundred bucks in, you know, Hong Kong strip clubs or whatever the fuck you guys are doing. Yeah, the, the, honestly, they might get fired. Like that might be the the spiritual sequel to this is them getting fired. Uh, but, but speaking of those guys, let's get into the, the Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. Uh, there's Donald Gibb as Ray Jackson, and we all deserve a buddy like Ray Jackson. Um, Forrest Whitaker is Rollins, you know, a terrible agent, but it, you can't not mention Forrest Whitaker is the only Oscar winner from this movie. Uh, we we haven't talked at all about Victor Lin, Ken Ken Siu, yeah. Ken. Uh, yeah, he, they're basically he reminds me of like a chattier Jin Yang from Silicon Valley. He's like their guide. I can't believe we haven't talked about him at all. I know he keeps flashing up in my brain, but then I just I he goes away. I mean, he's good. Um, 
he's fine. He's kind of like some comic relief, right? He's he's like their guy. Um, but I don't know. It's hard to go against Ray in this scenario. I agree. I mean, there's also uh, there's Leah. Ares as Janice Kent, uh, we you know we've talked about her extensively. Same with Bolo Young as Chong Lee. He's built like a brick shit house, but I feel like Ray with his with this Harley Davidson bandana and uh, just general man love for for Dukes. I think I think Ray's absolutely the pick. If I had to pick somebody who is on screen less than that though, or or maybe just a one B. I gotta go with Forrest Whitaker just because he makes me laugh in this movie inadvertently. He's just, he's always just kind of like, he shows up, he's kind of out of breath, he doesn't know really what's happening, he's got this blank look on his face. He's he's probably in his head, he's like, I'm way too good of an actor for this, this is not what I was meant for. But, you know? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just gotta take the paycheck. Uh, you know, he, he, <laughs> you gotta got, do it. He, he got, to la- got to last King of Scotland eventually, you know, and uh, For- Forrest Whitaker got there. Um, the big chill, I don't, I don't even know if this movie was really going for the big chill. Honestly, I only had, I had two and they're more kind of like cheesy chills. Uh, when Dukes is just letting the guy kick the shit out of him as like a, just like a joke. He's just like, come on, just fucking bring it. And he's just letting that guy rock his ribs. And then, uh, at the end in the hospital, Dukes and Ray, uh, when, when Duke says, anytime, any place, anywhere you need me, I'll be there. And then Ray says, I love you, my friend. Or maybe maybe that's reversed. Maybe Duke says, I love you, and, and Ray says the anytime, any place, anywhere thing. But regardless, incredible. Incredible moment in heterosexual friendship. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. That's what I'm saying. They had that relationship. Did you have anything for Big Chill? I feel like it could have been a Big Chill moment if, like we had said earlier, if Blind Dukes catches Chong Lee's hand, like breaks his arm and and knocks him out right there, but then it goes on for five more minutes. Yeah, see, I I, I was like, I wrote that down as like the thing, the final fight, and especially when he goes into it, that's like a a blue balls chill right there when he when he goes to th- when he throws the punch and he catches it, you're like you're like almost there. And then they kind of fuck it up. So that's like my closest I got to really chilling out on this movie. Yeah, you think you're about to get it, and then and then you don't. It's, nope. it's terribly nope. disappointing. It's that one of the just, only real disappointments of the movie. And it's just a bunch of weird backhanded chest slaps. A lot of chest slapping. Just like three I, more minutes of facial expressions and slapping. And then the, the, the cops and the girl are just laughing and raising the roof like they're in NBA 2K. <laughs> um mike would this make had this been a real story and if everything frank dukes had said was real would this have made a good 30 for 30 yeah when you it's an interesting one because at first i was thinking they must have already made a 30 for 30 on this but not if it's fake right yeah i mean the actual frank dukes in this story might make a good 30 for 30 like someone doing that deep down investigative journalism of okay what about this guy is actually real but if this was real, this would make it like a sick 30. This would have blown my mind. If it was in like that original 30 for 30 when everything was humming along and it was like top directors just doing great work, it would have been incredible. Did, is is the Kumite a real thing? I know people have always like kind of mentioned maybe it's real, maybe it's not. But like, is, do people know if it's real or not? I, I believe the Kumite is real. Um, 
like it's it's an actual thing. I mean, you search Kumite on Google, and the first thing that comes up is Kumite Bloodsport. But um, per Wikipedia, Kumite is the part is the part of karate in which a person trains against an adversary using the techniques learned from the kion and the kata. Uh, let's see, competition. Yeah, it, yeah, no, I think I think the Kumite is a real thing. I think it. I think it's also just. It seems to be like a name for competition. I don't know if this whole secret right. kumite is real. Probably, probably should have done a, a deeper dive on that if we're being honest. But if it is real, I would love to see a thirty for thirty looked, on it. I looked into it before, and I think it's murky. It's it's like some people say it is, some people are are not, and that's how it should be. If it's like the secret thing, you shouldn't know if it's real or not, right? Yeah, the reason that people could be throwing so much doubt on Dukes and, like, no one corroborating is, like, everyone else is like, hey, bro, this is like Fight Club. You're not supposed to talk about it. You're the only one who's breaking right. the rules. Right. Um, before I before we end and I ask you how would you improve this movie, we've already talked about it a lot, but did you know that there was a Bloodsport 2? Bloodsport 2, the next Kumite? It was funny when I, I think I did know that, but is Van Damme in it? No, Van Damme's on it. I didn't know about this until we started recording, and I and I did a Google. So, Bloodsport Two: The Next Kumite is a direct video in 1996, starred Daniel Bernhard. Uh, yeah, no, no Van Damme. Oh shit! But Pat Morita's in it. Really? How about that? No, I never saw that. Something about my sick brain kind of knew that there was a second one, but I've I've never seen it. I don't think I'm going to see that. I don't think I'm going to see Bloodsport 2. But, Mike, how would you improve Bloodsport 1? So, I think I mentioned this before, but I would just shorten it. I would make it, I would make the whole thing just the Kumite. I, would make, I might even I change right. the name. To the, I, would just, I would just call it the Kumite, and I would make it exactly one hour. And it, it starts with Frank Dukes coming in, hitting the bricks. They're like, dude, no way, you can't do this. And he just starts crushing people. And it's just fight after fight after fight. I mean, maybe you need a little something in there, but maybe we'll leave like one of those flashbacks in there, but I don't think, get rid of the cop thing. Maybe the reporter can still be there, but just everything shorter. I agree. I think you do, you you have the, flash, the flashback because you got to know that it's important to him to win this for his, his mentor. But you can cut that flashback in half. You can kind of set up him being a badass and then you kind of just trim the fat. You trim, you trim a lot of the non-Kumite scenes. You keep the uh, the coin scene with with Hasin, but you don't. Oh yeah, you, you probably don't have him offer up the reporter as a rape sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. That's but a good fix. It, yeah, but for me, I mean, this is still a Hall of Fame movie uh, in a, in its own weird way. It's really rewatchable. I kind of wish it was on TV more, although I get why it's not on TV. Like, you're not going to, you know, no one's watching this on TBS on a Sunday. Um, that, that's just not this this kind of movie. But, Mike, I appreciate you coming on, talking about Bloodsport with me. Tell the folks again where they can find your podcast and where they can find 60 Second Classics. Um, all right. I just, first of all, wanted to say I feel bad now that I gave it a starter thing because Bloodsport is amazing and I carry it with me wherever I go. So, I don't know. Maybe I should change that. I'm just going to say I love Bloodsport, and I'll get it's a Bloodsport tattoo. It's a starter in the rule book, but it's a Hall of Famer in your heart. Exactly. And if I ever get a tattoo, it will be Van Damme doing a split in that hotel room. That would be incredible content. You have to send me that picture when we're done, by the way. <laughs> oh, I will. And I'm, I'm probably 15 pounds lighter, too, so I like it. 
Um, oh, go perfect. on yeah, over that's to exactly in- what you need going around. <laughs> go on over to Instagram, 60 second classics. I got all my videos over there. Uh, check out the podcast, 60 second classics. And uh, I'm on Twitter, mcameralingo. Uh, yeah, check it out. I got a blood sport video. That's just a breakdown of the last fight. So if you like blood sport, uh, you like the Kumite and you like seeing Van Dam's, uh, handsome body, check that out. And I think on your last pod, or at least a video you put on the Instagram, you talk some Mighty Ducks, right? Yeah, just, I just did a uh, Mighty Ducks one. It's short, it's about 35, 40 minutes, but uh, I talked to my old buddy. We talked uh, hockey, we talked how Gordon Bombay really needed therapy and not uh, to coach kids. Although you could say the kids were his therapy in the end. Yeah, but... It, the kids might have been a good thing for Gordon Bombay, but he he definitely wasn't a good thing for the kids. He did, didn't need to be around <laughs> the kids. Um, so no. everyone go check out Mike's stuff. Obviously, if you're enjoying big screen sports, please remember, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You know the drill. If you enjoyed this episode, go on your podcasting app, especially if it's Apple Podcasts. Tap that five-star rating review. That helps a ton. Um, check out next week. We got Balls of Fury with Jared Borslow. We're talking some ping pong. And uh, we will see you then. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.